You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, May 14, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. Today, again, we celebrate Mamas. This is Mama's Day. The... the um this, I'll have to admit, this year caught me a little off guard. The, the um, you, you know, I, I used to, sometimes I never realized uh, how much pride sometimes is in me until things like this happens where, you know, I, I thought, I used to be able to tell people that, you know, particularly when it came to things like Mother's Days and Father's Days and all these different things, if they had lost a parent, you know, I, I could just like pat myself on the back. Like, I, I get it. I, I understand. <laughs> you, you know, and, and there was this thing where, very generically, I guess there was still some truth to it because I get that that hurts. The this year for me was very very different because last year I lost Dad right before thing, Father's Day, but I still had Mom. <laughs> You know, so it's, that's not taking anything away from dad. No, so, you know, you know, dad was dad is my hero. The the but this this year's different because this is the first holiday like this where I've not had either parent. So life sometimes can be a, 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 a teacher. <laughs> life sometimes can 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 teach you. That, that things like this come for many people comes a heaviness. You, you know, and, and that's one of the things I think, and I'm going to encourage you before we get into this message. If your mother's still alive, go see her. If your mother is still alive, even if she's in California, call her. Because there were many, 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 many Mother's Days or Father's Days where I would make the call because that's just what you did on Mother's Day or Father's Day. It was just, that's, that's what you do. Birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day. You call that person up. It doesn't, you don't grasp the importance of that until you can't call anymore. You can't grasp the, the depth of that, so you can't just drive. For me, mom and dad were five miles down the road from where I live. You know, that was, that's a gift that I took for granted for a very long time. So I encourage you, on Mother's Day, call your mama. You, you know, and I don't, I don't, and I don't even, I don't want that to sound Flip it or, or humorous, because I mean it. Call your mama. Because if she's still here, the day's coming, she's not going to be. And you're going to wish you had. So call your mama. Mothers are truly, and fathers, are, are good mothers and fathers, godly mothers and fathers, are a gift. 
They really, really are. And I don't care if they are your biological parents or if they were your adopted parents and they made a decision to love you and they made the decision to make you theirs. To me, there, in fact, there's, it makes that just maybe even a little bit more cool. They had a choice. They chose you. That's, that's very, very important. But if you've had a godly mother and father in your life, and I know we're focusing on mothers, it's a gift. It's a gift I don't want anybody to take for granted. God has blessed you. If you had a mama that told you about Jesus, you were blessed. If you had a mama that, that, that bandaged your, your, your knees when you fell off your bike, you're blessed. I guess in today's society, if you got a, if you got a uh, blister on your thumb from your iPhone and she gave you a Band-Aid, you're blessed. <laughs> that, that's Nurturing parents are a gift. They, they really, really are. We're going to look. So, so when I was talking to God about this message, because I was talking to him last night. It's like, God, it's four in the morning, and I'm still working on this video. <laughs> what are we going to do, God? There was a few moms that really jumped out at me. There were examples. Or, some, or a mom that showed me kind of a life lesson kind of in their life. The one of them that was really that just really jumped out at me, and I'll, I'll tell you which one it is when we get there. But let's take a, a, a second. Let's take a look at Rebecca. So, so who was Rebecca? She was the wife of Isaac. Remember Abraham? Abraham. Oh my Lord! Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the uh, um, so. It says of this of Rebekah in Genesis 25, 23, The Lord said to her, talking about Rebekah, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So right off the, the bat here, there's, some, there's something really challenging that God is saying to Rebekah. That the fact that the younger was going to be stronger and that the older was going to essentially serve the, the younger. In that context, that was unheard of. I mean, the firstborn was the boss. When, when dad died, the firstborn was the boss. He was the man. So first of all, this teaches me a lesson, first of all, about God. God doesn't necessarily have to play by the rules that you and I like to play by. You know, we even see this in birth order. You know, who, is, who are her kids? We have Esau, we have Jacob. And we, as we learn from the Bible, Esau was not only the older, he was kind of a daddy's boy. He was the rough and rugged dude, he was the hunter. You know, he, any, 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 any father would have been proud of Esau. And Jacob was kind of the mama's boy. 
He, you know, in fact, he had he even had smooth skin. And, and later on, when he kind of kind of you know wrangles the birthright away from his brother, he's even like cooking for him. You know, you're hungry. You know, so he's he's very different. However, God doesn't look at people or birth orders the same way we do. Man would have picked Esau for two reasons. One, he was the firstborn, and two, he was a man's man. I mean, he would have been the guy that we would have probably picked. Do we see that in other places in the Bible? Well, let's, let's go forward a little bit. Abraham, who was his first son? And this is the only hang-up I had. There was this really cool movie that came out, His Only Son, and it was about Abraham, uh, Abraham and Isaac, and it was done really, really well. But the problem I had with it was, A, the title, and the way that they kept stressing that Isaac was his only son. Isaac was not his only son. He had Ishmael first. <laughs> and do you realize that even to this day, and that because of arrows that we like to follow by, why do you think that Muslims and Jews don't get along right now? Muslims are descendants of Ishmael. All the Jews are, 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 are descendants of Jacob. I mean, yeah, of, of Isaac. You tell I'm tired. I'm sorry. But by our rules, everything should have gone to Ishmael. That's why they still fight over these things, like the Gaza Strip and all these things. This is, this is a, a civil war, a family feud that's been going on for centuries now. But Ishmael wasn't the chosen one. It was Isaac. And then through Jacob. So right in the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we see God going outside of the norm. Right off the bat, it wasn't, it wasn't Ishmael because he wasn't the child of the promise. And it wasn't Esau. It was through Jacob. So we see that God chooses who God wants to choose. This story shows me the sovereignty of God. Do we see another huge example of this? How about David? You realize of all of Jesse's sons, David was the last one that anybody would have picked to have been king. But God saw something in David that no one else saw. In fact, it's kind of a cool story. Go back and read that thing. So the prophet's there. Now Sam was like, hey, you, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to bless your, one of your sons to be king and show me your sons. And he goes down the line. He's like, I'm just not getting the go-ahead. I'm not getting the green light from God. Do you have another son? And they're like, well, yeah, we got one, but it can't be him, old David, you know, out on the fields. But God sees something in you that no one else sees. So we see this right off the bat with Rebecca. But let's look at the story, too, of Rebecca. Here's where the faith of Rebecca kicks in. She believed what God told her. She believed that because of God said this, Isaac was going to be, or I'm sorry, Jacob was going to be, he was going to be the one. He was going to be, he was going to be the chosen one. This is who the line was going to continue to go through. Because when I first read the story of Esau and Jacob, there's a lot of shady stuff going on here. There really is. Even, even right down to, you know, when it comes time, 
when it comes time for Jacob to, to take his stolen birthright, he's like, Mom, I don't, wanna, I don't know what I'm going to do. Daddy's going to know I'm not Esau because he's all hairy. He's going to feel my arms like, wait a minute, what are you trying to do here, boy? So mama hooked him up with, with, with animal skin. So, so when, when daddy goes to film, oh, yeah, that's my boy Esau. So I'm saying, there is shady stuff going all over the place here. You know, this first, this, this whole birthright thing. Oh, I'm going to wait till my brother's big and we're all hungry, and I'm going to get him to trade his birthright for food. And now mama's going to help me do this. You know, this. And Jacob was a shady guy for quite some time. It wasn't until he had an interaction with God where he stopped being Jacob, the guy who was fighting against God, where he became Israel, the guy who fought with God. But Rebecca, and I, and I often have to, have to wonder, why did Rebecca do that? Was it because the thing with the, with the hair, the, the, the goat skins, why would she do a thing like that? Was it because, was it because he's a mama's boy? Or was it because she believed what God said that the younger would rule over the older? And this is what it took to do it. So the faith of Rebecca actually helped move the story forward, the story of the Messiah, the, the, the faith of Rebecca and the things that she did because she believed what God told her, that Jacob was the man. It wasn't Esau. So she did what she had to do. It would have to take faith for her to be willing to basically shaft her older son for the benefit of her younger son unless God told her that this is the deal. I think that takes faith. What do you think? So what's the lesson here in Rebecca for us? We see how that translates faith to her. How's that, how's that translate faith to us? When God speaks to your heart, moms, and let me tell you what, God's speaking to your hearts. When God speaks to your hearts, grandmoms, believe what he's saying to you. You'll know. When you just feel that, you just feel that guidance and that direction of the Holy Spirit, and you think, man, this is what, this is the, this is what God wants. Believe in, in God's plan for your children and your grandchildren. Because God knows what he's doing. God knows. Believe in God's plan. When God lays something on your heart, believe. Here's the one that jumps out at me. When I was sitting there thinking about biblical moms, I'm praying, oh Lord, now it's five o'clock. Samson's mom. You know, I don't think the Bible even tells us what her name is. <laughs> Judges 13, 3 through 5. Some stuff jumps out here for me. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that he drinks no wine or any other fermented drink, and that you do not and that he does that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take, he will take the lead, 
in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. There's a few things that jump out at me here. Again, just like Rebecca, Samson's mom believed the word of the Lord. She believed what God said to her. Would you let your son go his entire life and not shave his head unless you believed in the word of the Lord? So she was supporting. Moms, we need to support the, the, the call that God has given their children and their grandchildren, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm sure it didn't make sense for them to never shave Samson's hair. That was part of the deal. But she believed. But here's the thing that jumps out of me in the story of Samson's mom. Samson made a lot of bad choices. It wasn't his mama's fault. He made a lot of bad choices. Who was Samson? Samson was a judge. What was a judge? A judge was somebody that God called up, we we read about them in the book of Judges, to deliver God's people. So God had a call in his life that was pretty special. It was pretty special. But he made a lot of wrong decisions. What was the big one? Delilah. That was a big one. And how stupid could he be? She's like, so Samson, what is the secret to your strength? Well, if you tie me up with the string, you know, I'll lose. So then a bunch of guys later on jumps in there and you're all tied up and they're trying to take you. And you know, Doesn't that tell you something's wrong? This story went a few, over and over and over. Well, wait a minute. That's not true. What, what really does make you weak? Well, this is what makes me weak. I, I mean, he, he was a dummy. He really, really was. But here's the thing. I could picture his mama thinking, where did I go wrong with that boy? What is he doing? Moms, have you ever tried to take credit for your kids' stupid decisions? It's not yours. It's not your cross to bear. It's not your burden. Here's the thing, and this is why we read in Proverbs You know, if we train up a child in the way they should go, you know, they won't depart or they'll return. You realize that that's found in the Proverbs. What is a proverb? It's a probability. So it would be just as accurate to say, if you train up a a child in the way that he should go, he probably won't depart. Why is it not like a biblical law? Any of the Proverbs, like a biblical law, because... The child has a free will to decide what he or she does. So mamas, you could have done everything right. You could have, Samson's mom did. She didn't shave his head. She made sure she didn't eat, that she didn't even eat the wrong stuff, that she did all the right things. So when he made the poor decisions, it was because of his choice, not hers. Mamas, have you ever taken blame for the stupid stuff your kids have done? Stop. It's their free will, just like it was Samson's. But this is where you have to have a little bit of extra faith here now. When your boy or your girl is doing something really, really stupid, moms and grandmoms, you have to hold on to the fact that God is not done with them. It would have been easy 
Let's say that Samson, I just gave up. I gave up on that boy. He just him and him and his his taste for that girl Delilah. I just don't know what to do. I, I raised him up. I did all the right stuff, but look at the, just the right and all. But God was not done. What happens in the end of that story? God's will was still done. He did exactly what he was called to do. Because of his poor choices, he paid a high price. But in the end, he killed more Philistines in that one act by pushing the, down the, 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 the temple that he did his entire life before that. God is still in control even when our kids are doing stupid things. And it's not your fault that they have free will and they're doing stupid things. I can say that about myself. I can only imagine how many times mama would have been, God, where did I go wrong with Greg? (laughs) I had him in church, Lord. Whenever, whenever he said bad words or he lied, I would, just, I would correct him. You know, whenever, whenever he'd want to go out and hang out with his buddies and do stuff they shouldn't do. I, I mean, I, I, I told him it wasn't good. And then, God, where did I go wrong? She didn't go wrong. That was me. Those are my choices. You can't take the responsibility for your kids' choices. You did the best you could with what you had. And you showed them Jesus. That's all you can do. This is where it gets tough. And I don't know if Samson's mama wrangled with this. Sometimes you have to trust in the fact that you did the right thing and release them in the name of Jesus and let God take control. That's hard to do. I'm a daddy. It's hard to do. I have to admit, there's sometimes, especially one of my kids just makes me want to just bang my head on the, on the wall repeatedly. I, I had her in church. I had her in church. I had her in church. <laughs> it's not your responsibility. Give it over to God. I'm sure Samson's mama had to. These were, these were small village type places. She knew what he was doing. I, I don't imagine he ever strayed too far away from home. Mama would have seen what he was doing. Let it go. Your kids have free will. You don't have to agree. It may break your heart. It may stink. You did your part. Pray for them and let them go. And I'm saying, I am preaching to the choir right now. I am preaching to the choir. I'm not standing up here telling you, well, this is what I did, and I know it works. This is, this is the stuff I'm trying to teach myself now. This is the stuff that I'm trying to learn now. And it applies to mamas and daddies alike. Samson's mama. I really feel sorry for this lady. Because I've been Samson. I have to wonder if I took a few years off of my mom's life myself. Naomi. This is a mother-in-law. This gets even crazier. <laughs> Moms and mom-in-laws and daughter and son-in-laws, they are complicated things. One of the reasons, and, and I'll tell you, it's just true. No one would ever be good enough for my daughter. No one. 
It's true. And basically, and I know this isn't Father's Day, this isn't a Father's Day message, but I'm telling you, this probably works for moms too. Nobody is good enough for my daughter, and that guy needs to spend the rest of his life to prove to me that he is. So these, these in-law relationships are complicated things. But Naomi, I just don't see that, that typical in-law relationship here. She loved on Ruth. Naomi's sons died. And she was heading back to her hometown. But this relationship she had with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, which this is what makes it even more interesting. Ruth was a Moabite. Well, what does that mean? They weren't any, the Jewish people weren't even supposed to be marrying Moabites. So this would have been somebody she would have probably really not have liked if she went by the rules. But she loved on Ruth regardless. And you want to know what? When a mother-in-law loved on the daughter-in-law, we get one of the best-known scriptures in all of the Bible. So Naomi was trying to get her daughter-in-laws to go back to where they came from. One of them did. It's like, okay, I'm out of here. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Can you imagine that? An in-law relationship where a mother-in-law loved on their daughter-in-law so much that she could say, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where your people will be my people and your God, my God. So when the, the son-in-law or daughter-in-law comes in your life, and I'm telling you, when I say you have to spend the rest of your life proving to me that you're good enough for my daughter, I know that that's wrong. I should be like Naomi. That's how you change. That's how you change situations, is the love, even when it doesn't make sense to love. Where does this story go? Ruth connects with a guy named Boaz. Well, they have a kid named what? Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. So this kind of love that Naomi showed to this Moabite woman who married her, her, her son made her this forbidden marriage made Ruth the great-grandmother of King David himself. Do you see how a mother's and a mother-in-law's love changes things? Changes situations? It's like crazy. You can't even explain it. In any conversation that we have about mothers... We've got to talk about Mary. <laughs> Whenever you have a conversation about a biblical mother, you would, you would be remiss to not talk about Mary. You want to talk about somebody that had a tough job. And I'm not even trying to be humorous here. 
Her job and Joseph's job was to raise God. Think about it. A woman, a child, everything points that this was probably a teenage girl. You know, somewhere between, you know, 13 to 17, that, that age, probably on the, on, the, on the lower end of that. And the father trusted her with his son to raise. Here's another example, though, sometime where your children's call can pierce your own heart. Sometimes you're called to, to a place to mother a son or a child who's called to die. Can't even imagine it. I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around what would it be like to be the mother of Jesus? I mean, we, we make the cool little jokes about, oh, yeah, he was the perfect child. He never sassed me. He never, he never did this. You know what? That's, that's making light of something that's very, very not so funny. She knew. She knew where this road was going. And this is one of the things I love the chosen. I don't care. The, let the haters keep hating. But they do such a good job to show the stress on Mary whenever something happens to Jesus. In season three, and this, this, is, this, def, this is in the Bible. Jesus upsets the folks in his, in his, his old hometown. He goes back to Nazareth. And he reads, he reads the, the, the scroll of Isaiah and says that the, the, that the anointing of the Lord is on him to preach good news. So he goes through the whole thing and he says, and today it's been fulfilled. So what did he just tell his hometown folks? I'm Messiah. Well, of course, that didn't go over real well. Could you imagine what it would have been like to have been Mary? Because I imagine, I imagine they would have wanted to stone him, throw him off of a rock, do something, because that would have been blasphemy in their opinion. Mary watched this stuff. We see Mary popping up in all these stories throughout the life of Christ. So she didn't sit home idly, in, in, in Nazareth, while Jesus was going across the countryside, preaching the good news and, 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 and saving the lost and, and, and raising the dead. She was there. She saw these things. She, she saw where this was going. But she was faithful. She was faithful to this terrible thing, this wonderful, terrible thing that God had called her to do. To be the mother of his child, but to be the mother of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What does all this tell us? We just looked at a couple Bible moms. I could, I could teach a sermon, a whole sermon series on just Bible moms. They're all over the place in the Bible. But what does this tell us? What's one common thread in every single one of these moms? That being a mom is a tough job. And it's very much usually not a job you get thanked for. It's the hardest job you'll never, ever be thanked for. Until you die, 
and your child says, I wish I had done things different. That's the reality of it. The hardest job anyone could ever do. This isn't a Bible mom, but this is somebody I would be remiss not to mention. The church, historically, not as much now as it did 10, 15, 20 years ago, the church almost treated single moms like they had the plague. Oh, it's true. I know a single mom was told she had to sit on the back pew of a church because she was a single mom. She didn't go back to that church. But I'll tell you what, us dads, and I'm talking generally, why is our society so jacked up? And I had this discussion back in Valentine's Day. It's because so often, men, we are dropping the ball. And I'm talking about in general. I'm not talking about you specifically. Men are dropping the ball time and time again. And guess who has to stay behind and pick up the pieces? The single mom. I know many single moms who drag their kids to church. I know many single moms who tell their kids that Jesus loved them. I know many single moms that may say, that might be saying, even though daddy's in jail right now, you have a father who cares a lot about you and will never hurt you. So I ask you, pray for these ladies. Don't judge these folks. You haven't walked a mile in their shoes. You haven't been where they were at. What happened to them hasn't happened to you. You have no right to judge them for their situation. You just don't. But what I do ask is that you pray for them. Pray that they are strong enough to be mom and dad. Pray that God gives them the wisdom to teach their children to love Jesus. Because those are the things that will help them out the most. And if you know a single mom and they got young kids, do something brave. Babysit those kids every now and then. Let her go out and relax. She ain't getting no, she ain't getting the rest no other way. Single moms don't get the day off. They just don't. So be the church. To single moms. Be the church to those who need you. So I'll tell you what, it's been a tough year and I'm tired. But I can say that I see light at the end of my tunnel. That I might have a, a time coming where I might be able just to get a little bit of a mental break and a little. They don't have that. <laughs> they don't have that. Pray for them. So here's your homework, folks. Moms. Trust in God with your kids. Grandmas. You've got to let them go because they have a free will and they're going to do what they want. 
but you can do more for them by praying for them than you could ever could by lecturing them. Love on them. And I'll tell you what, sometimes that's hard, even if they are your kid. Love on them. Be faithful to what God has given you, the call that he's put on your life, and trust him to do what only he can do. And pray for those single mamas. They really do need you.